Hello, everyone, and welcome to this uh, first of this week's edition of the Line Out podcast. Um, basically, uh, what we're doing today is a wrap up of last weekend's uh, fantastic rugby championship action. Well, depending uh, which side you support, maybe uh, if you're an All Blacks supporter, it probably wasn't such a great weekend for you, but uh, a really thrilling weekend. Um, very, very exciting stuff. And then later in the week, obviously, when the team sheets uh, are out for the uh, two games this weekend, we'll be putting out podcasts uh, looking ahead to those two games. But uh, the focus of this episode is obviously looking at the action that unfolded last Saturday in uh, Nelsprit and Mendoza. So, yeah, uh, Australia and South Africa get their rugby championship uh, campaigns off to a flying start. Uh, New Zealand, the misery of the Irish series continues. Um, and for the Pumas, um, you know, positives, but age old classic Pumas problems in terms of execution and discipline. Let, and I think also a certain degree of lapse in concentration uh let them down once again but um yeah i think certainly in the case of the pumas um nobody will be falling on swords like what seems to be happening with the all blacks um so yeah so let's get right into it and uh start off with uh looking at the first game which was um the All Blacks and South Africa. Um, you know, I think you start off with um, the results of that defeat. Um, now their third defeat in a row, um, considering they've only played um, four games so far this year. Uh, it's not looking too sharp for them at all. Um yeah, just, just not a pretty picture for the All Blacks. 26-10 uh, South Africa with, um, albeit they didn't wipe the floor with the with the All Blacks, but a pretty convincing win um, that, yeah, let's be honest, made the All Blacks for the most part look pretty clueless. Um, you know, I think in many ways the scoreline actually flattered the All Blacks Um I think that was, I agree with a lot of what the media is saying. That's probably one of the most inept all black performances I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, you know, just as an aside, it's interesting right now I'm watching that all or nothing series um, on Amazon prime, which um, is a six part documentary that looks at um, the all blacks um 2017 campaign against the British Irish Lions and the rugby championship. And it's really interesting because there's a lot of parallels there. Um, even though, you know, you had Steve Hansen running the show then, um, who was arguably or is arguably the All Blacks most successful coach to date. Um, but it's also interesting, Ian Foster is his deputy and he appears a lot in this documentary series, but, um, 
it's very interesting that the the mood in the All Black camp um, after the Lions series back in 2017 and going into the rugby championship, some of the injury issues, some of the you know morale in the squad. Um, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of parallels between what's happening then and what's happening now. So um, I think as, as some background, um, that's well worth a watch. So if you have an Amazon Prime membership, strongly recommend you go over and check that out. Um, but yeah, I think certainly the post-match interviews, you know, based on that performance, you know, really leave you scratching your head. You know, you had Sam Kane thinking it was, it was, uh, the margins were quite small in that loss. I don't think they really were. And him seeming to think that, that they played pretty well. Um, that's yeah. I, I don't know if he'd be making that same, those same statements after watching the, the video replay of that in the last two days. And, you know, Ian Foster saying that was their best performance to date this year. Really? Okay. Uh, interesting, interesting, interesting point of view. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, and saying things like it was a massive improvement. I didn't see any improvement of anything. They went backwards. Um, so, yeah, a very interesting view from both Captain Sam Kane and Coach Ian Foster, but you also have to wonder, are they making those statements because you know, they can't come out and say, yeah, we're absolute crap right now. Um, I, I just don't know. Um, you know, and especially given the pressure that the two of them know they're under. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for the old blacks, I mean, the, the overwhelming uh, view that I had of watching that game was with their error count was just massive. Um, they look really sloppy, really disorganized, really confused. You know, this, the same points I was making, uh, in the Irish series, they were, you know, admittedly came directly from South African pressure, but they were forced to, to play all the time from deep and they weren't executing their exits from, from deep in their own territory very well. And it's, you're not going, you know, especially with a team against, uh, against a team like the Springboks, you're not going to, you're not going to get any mileage if you're constantly being forced to play from deep and your skill set to to handle a counterattack from deep isn't isn't there, you know, matched up to a to a defense that is just going to shut you down. Uh, you know, just yeah, the the skills aren't there right now um, to play that kind of game, and I, I I don't know, I don't think it's like I said last week, I don't think it's for a lack of talent, but they they've got to address that um you know obviously i think they got completely outplayed by south africa physically I mean, that was blatantly obvious from minute one to minute 80 um the all black scrum i thought was was a mess i think you know one positive they can take from it i kind of gave him a hard time last week uh george bauer in the front row. Um, I don't think he really contributed anything to the scrum. The scrum was still a mess, but he, uh, he led the all blacks tackle count. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of been pretty harsh on him during the Irish series saying that he almost looked kind of clueless in terms of defense, but he, um, he really led, uh, led from the front there for, for the all blacks in terms of, 
of being a tackling machine. So he's obviously, you know, there's a couple of glimmers of hope in terms of, uh, I thought, you know, defensively at times, the old blacks, particularly through guys like Bauer and Artie Sevilla, um, there, there looked to be some hope there. I think, you know, the other thing that, that really struck me in that game, um, and I, it's in my notes, and I kept having to, to look at the team sheet. And the reason I kept having to do that was I was trying to um, figure out where the hell Will Jordan was. I, I think for the first half and, and well into the second half, I couldn't see him anywhere. Um, and I don't know, again, whether that's just New Zealand were bereft of ideas to, to get the ball to him, but I just, I couldn't even see him. I, I just, I kept looking at my team sheet. Is he playing or is there somebody else, um, you know, playing in, in the number uh, 14 jersey? Um, but yeah, he, it, it was remarkable. So yeah, that's definitely in my notes. Is like, where is Will Jordan? Is he actually on the field? Um, you know, I think if you look at the stats overall, I guess this is maybe where New Zealand can take some comfort in the sense that, um, given the scoreline, you know, they didn't get completely whipped. I mean, possession and territory stats are actually quite flattering for New Zealand. I mean, South Africa dominated them, but it was only 55 to 45, um, for both stats in favor of. Uh, South Africa, um, you know, South Africa outscored them uh, two tries to one. Uh, meters made, three hundred forty-three for New Zealand, three hundred seventy-two. Sorry, three hundred forty-three for South Africa, three hundred seventy-two for New Zealand. So again, it's not a huge difference. It's just South Africa did more with those meters. Um, really interesting. Again, defenders beaten twenty-five by New Zealand only nine by South Africa, but it's, it's South Africa would just, when they had the ball, they were so much better organized and clinical. Their skill set was so much higher. So yeah, New Zealand, you know, really couldn't get past one or two phases with ball in hand. And then it all went to pieces and to play against a team like the box. If you have to go more than three or four phases, you're going to run out of speed so fast. It's just not funny. Um, so yeah, you know, um, passes New Zealand made, you know, 158 compared to 92 for South Africa, but so many of those passes just didn't stick. Um, you know, but then, you know, the, the physicality and South Africa's dominance of the aerial game, you know, 10 turnovers to five for South Africa, um, kicks from hand 30 to 16, uh, 30 from South Africa, 16 from New Zealand, but, you know, the rucks, there was parity there. Uh, 69 for South Africa, 68 for, for New Zealand. So, you know, it's not all bad news. Um, and, you know, tackles missed, interestingly enough, 25 for South Africa, only nine for New Zealand. Um, South Africa actually had to make slightly more tackles, 121 to 117 for New Zealand. So, you know, there was some parity there. It's just the difference being that, you know, um, 
South Africa were just so much better organized. They had such a clear idea of what they were trying to do. And they set about executing it to perfection and their skill sets were just so much better. Um, so yeah, there were some improvements from, from New Zealand. And I guess that's what uh, Sam Kane and, and Foster are looking at. Uh, New Zealand's discipline was poor, I think, because they were under the cosh. 12, uh, they, you know, they led the penalty count, 12 penalties uh, as opposed to only seven for South Africa. So again, I thought South Africa, for the most part, were, were relatively organized in that respect. Um, you know, overall, um, you know, and that's this is interesting, like New Zealand's tackle success was, wasn't actually that bad. Uh, 92%, whereas only 79% for South Africa. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I thought South Africa, when it mattered most, their tackle technique was superb at times. Uh, there were so many try-saving tackles when they mattered most, and that's where South Africa really stood out, even though overall, perhaps, if their stats weren't as strong as New Zealand. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, again, the... the I mentioned it earlier, but New Zealand's scrum success was poor, 80, 80% to 100% for South Africa. I mean, South Africa in the set piece were just peerless uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, that's, you know, kind of overall looking at, at, at some of the, the stats. Um, I thought New Zealand's line defense had improved uh, since the Irish series. Um, but like I say, I think for South Africa, their, their set piece dominance... And I also thought, like, New Zealand had no kind of kick-chase game or it was completely disorganized or erratic or, you know, it just wasn't there. Whereas you compare that to South Africa's kick-chase and their timing of the kick-chase, again, it was a master class in execution last Saturday. And that's, that's, that's what gets you big, big results in big games like this. Um, you know, I thought one of the interesting stats – if you if you not looking at the overall stats, but if you go to player stats, one of the things that um, stood out in terms of defenders beaten, the top six uh, guys who got uh, defenders beaten stats are the top six of those guys are New Zealanders. But the problem was the error count was too too high, and yeah, they'd beat a defender, but then they couldn't take it past one or you know second phase ball. Um, but uh, you know, then you look at the, the turnovers made and the guys leading the turnovers, that's the top four are all South African. Um, so, yeah, um, like I say, you know, I, I thought the All Blacks just didn't look like they had a game plan. Um, where South Africa, their, their set piece defense, their set pieces were excellent. Their defense was excellent and they just dominated um, from start to finish the aerial contest. Um, absolutely clinical in that, in that respect. So, yeah, I thought, um, South Africa, as well as they played though, they still looked a little bit predictable. Um, the, but the thing is because they were so good at doing the basics, right. You know, a lot of people will always tell you, get the basics right and the rest will come. And that's what New Zealand didn't have and Australia and South Africa did have, um, so, you know, um, that's, that's, that was key, I think, um, absolutely key in, in what, uh, what, you know, showed for, for, for South Africa this weekend. Um, you know, like they, 
the South Africans and the, the Springboks, they had a game plan. New Zealand was the complete opposite. They didn't look like they had one at all. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you, if you moving on from this, um, you know, I, I think for, for South, uh, New Zealand rather, um, I know their backs are against the wall now. I don't know. I think the only thing that, that I maybe have in their favor, um, you know, with Aronsa out, uh, for South Africa, um, you know, on, on that note, I thought, uh, currently Aronsa really surprised me. I thought he was going to really struggle in terms of defending against Caleb Clark, but go watch the highlights. And this is what I think is so unfortunate about Aaron's game. You know, that red card that he got, which was completely justified. And, you know, he has to take the full rap for that. His technique going into that tackle against Barrett was completely out of line. And you, you, you cannot play like that. There's, there's no ifs, buts, maybes about it. That's, that's not how you contest the ball in the air. And he has to learn that. And unfortunately he's going to have to learn it the hard way. It was a shocking uh, tackle on Barrett. I kind of winced when I saw it, um, much as I did when poor old Fafta Clerk got taken out accidentally by um, Caleb Clark's knee in, after 45 seconds. But yeah, um, Aronsa has to sadly pay the penalty for that. But I, I do think it's a real shame because it detracts from otherwise a stellar performance from him. Uh, he had a really, really good game up to that point. Um, and I don't think, you know, he set out to undo all the good work he did intentionally. It was just an unfortunate accident that stemmed from lack of experience. Um, and that's that part of his game needs work. Uh, that part of his skill set needs to be improved. Um, but yeah, um, but looking at, at, at going back to the point I was making about the All Blacks, where do you go from here? They're under huge pressure going to Ellis Park. Uh, never an easy place to win. It's one of those cauldrons of international test rugby. Uh, one of the great cathedrals, if you like. Um, and you're going in to face a, a box side high on confidence, but missing some key personnel. Uh, there's no Fafta Clerk. There's no Chesson Colby. There's now no... Um, there's now no... Uh, whatchamacallit, Kurtley Aronsa. Um, interesting switch with Dwayne Vermeulen, uh, putting him in at number eight with Jasper Visa on the bench and no Quagga Smith. So, you know, there, there's some opportunities here for, for the All Blacks if they can tighten their ship up, um, you know, bring their sails in, improve that organization, get some kind of a game plan going, there's an opportunity here is, is it's not a great opportunity, but considering where they're going to have to play, I'd almost argue that South Africa had the stronger side last weekend as opposed to this weekend. So there's a, there's a whiff of an opportunity, but New Zealand have to be dramatically better than they were this Saturday. If they're going to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, for South Africa themselves, um, the, the, in terms of their predictability, 
it would be a concern for me going in like against a side like New Zealand who are very disorganized at the moment. It's not such a big problem um, because their skill sets are, are so good and they're so efficient that, you know, even though they may be predictable because they're so good at what they do, they will, they will make it stick and make it count. But against, you know, when they go uh, on tour at the end of the year against a side, like say um, Ireland, who are both, uh, very, very organized in, in defense and on attack and have really mastered that ability to play at speed and adapt quickly, then that Springbok predictability is efficient as it is in terms of, of getting the basics right and doing the basics may start to become a liability against a side like Ireland or France. We shall see. Uh, it's going to make November really fascinating. Um, but yeah, um, just overall looking at, at the teams and, and who played and who did well, uh, in the front row for New Zealand, I thought it was a disaster. Um, apart from, like I say, George Bauer defensively in terms of the tackle count, um, they were completely outclassed by that South African, uh, front row. Um, Franz Malherba was just a machine. Trevor Nicotti had a good shift, but I think he emptied the tank pretty early. And then, um, yeah, you saw, um, Kitsoff come on and, and Kitsoff had a blinder of a game. Uh, but obviously man of the match, Malcolm Marks, epic performance from him really back to some of his very, very best playing days when he first, uh, started out with the spring box. So, you know, phenomenal performance from him um, and fully deserved man of the match. The second row for the box of uh, Lute Jager and uh, even Elizabeth was, you know, completely um, outstanding. And uh, just going back to kind of what I was um, saying before in terms of the lineup, um, for uh, this weekend's match, um, you know, that's not going to change. So that one to five for South Africa still looks phenomenal um, and is going to be a huge issue for um, for New Zealand. But yeah, I, I didn't really think Sam Whitelock and Scott Barrett got much of a look in in the second row up against Elizabeth and Diager. The back row for South Africa was immense. Um Jasper Visa, uh, Peter Stefft, a toy who is rapidly getting back to his game-changing, all-best kind of performances. Uh, Sio Khaleesi was absolutely phenomenal. The man was a beast. Um, into everything, led from the front, really strong performance. Um, Franco Mostert and Quagga Smith, when they came on, just again added a superb uh, level of, of vitality to the mix. That was great. I didn't really see much in the way from the New Zealand back row with the obvious standout exception of Artie Sevilla, who was his usual immense self. And I still hold that uh, shake things up a bit this weekend. Give him the captain's arm bat. He leads from the front. He never had his head down. He was always putting in 110%. Uh, always a source of inspiration to his teammates. He's the, he's the way forward, hands down, for um, 
the All Blacks, and I, I think he should get the captain's own brand. I thought Akira Yuani had some moments. Sam Kane, I thought, no, I didn't see anything from him that that really, yeah, uh, made me feel that that New Zealand back row as a unit was even remotely competitive with what South Africa had to offer. I thought the halfbacks were a disaster. Again, just too much individuality. Uh, same mistakes over and over again from, like, you know, just no adaptability from either Bowden Barrett or Aaron Smith. Um, again, too predictably, they were acting as individuals. They weren't pulling the team together and executing a game plan. Whereas Andre um, Pollard uh, had an outstanding game for South Africa, I thought. And uh, Jaden Hendrickson, considering that, you know, he was supposed to play from the bench. He was on after 45 seconds um, and had to play the full match. I mean, what uh, what a talk about stepping up and stepping up and uh, stepping up to the plate. Fantastic performance from him. Really, really solid. Not necessarily overly flash, but, uh, you know, he, he fitted into the game plan. He executed it well alongside Pollard. Th those two. They ran a really good show on, on Saturday. The same could not be said for the New Zealand two. Um, you know, my, I think I thought on the wings, uh, Makazoli Mapimpe was really good, excellent in the air. Currently, Aronsa, I've already talked about him, really, really impressive. I think it's devastating that he is essentially going to be ruled out for pretty much much of the remainder of the rugby championship as a result of that really unfortunate but tackle but one that needs to get highlighted and disciplined accordingly um the midfield pairing damien dandy worked really really well lucan uam was just phenomenal i mean that offload that led to kurt lee aaron's first try i mean that is just the stuff of legend and you know he, he was it was done as he was being brought to ground. I mean, the man is a magician. He is without doubt. He would make a world first 15, uh, end of story discussion ended. Um, yeah. I talked about Erinsa and Damien Valemsa again, you know, a try saving tackle being put in there, uh, against Caleb Clark. Um, it just solid, really solid at the back um for for south africa for new zealand in the backs you know i thought caleb clark tried but it wasn't uh allied to anything really constructive will jordan like i say for the first half i had to keep checking the team sheets to make sure he was actually playing i thought the center pairing of havili and yuani offered absolutely nothing and was riddled with errors particularly havili uh jordy barrett much the same couple of odd moments but you know pretty weak overall from the benches, you know, like I said, I already said, Stephen Kitsoff just powered his way off the bench into a really strong position for, um, you know, uh, given the fact that Nayakani came off relatively early. But yeah, the bomb squad, Bongi and Manambi, Kitsoff, Cocked all did their job as expected. Um, and everything else, you know, Franco Mostert, Quagga Smith, fantastic. Jaden Hendricks, again, you know, a lot of the bench were on way sooner than I think most of them expected. And then, you know, Willie LaRue's cameo appearance at the end with a try, just outstanding. Really can't say anything about the New Zealand bench. Um, I thought Richie Moanga looked really out of sorts and kind of desperate. 
Uh, same with Dane Coles. I just, yeah, I just didn't see anything there to get excited about. Um, you know, um, yeah, it was just, I thought in terms of, uh, from the bench for South Africa, kind of mediocre, um, you know, really mediocre, to be honest. Um, you know, Shannon Frizzell got a try at the end at the death there. Um, you know, so I guess kudos to him, but otherwise nothing really to, to write home about. Um, and that's it. I thought Finley Christie kind of injected some pace towards the end uh, when he came on for Aaron Smith that hadn't been there with, with Smith, but it was kind of a lost cause otherwise. So, yeah, uh, not a great day at the office for New Zealand, a really good day at the office for South Africa. And uh, onwards uh, and upwards for South Africa, literally, um, to the high veld. Um well, I mean, Nelspritz also in the high belt, but, uh, you know, playing at altitude, Ellis Park, tough call for a wounded old black side who are really struggling to find some rhythm. But maybe this is it. Like I say, there's there's some advantages, I think, possibly to be had in terms of the lineup that South Africa are being forced to field for this one that New Zealand could could use to their advantage. We shall see. Anyway, uh, the game will be on for you uh, at 9, sorry, 11, uh, 11 a.m. again in Eastern Time on Premier Sports Asia and TSN. The game was on TSN on their website, but it did take about eight hours before it was made available. Premier Sports Asia, again, it was available literally within half an hour after the final whistle. So takes your pick. Uh, like I say, I'll be doing a podcast on the line out later uh, on the lineups for that match later this week. Um, and I've run out of time to do uh, Argentina Australia, so I'll do another quick podcast right after this to uh, wrap that up. So till then, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Mm-hmm.